0: You're listening to the International Philosophers Podcast.
1: Hello, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of your favorite podcast, The International Philosophers. I'm your host, Anna, teenage apprentice philosopher, and right alongside me here is your co-host, Stephanie Kistner.
2: Hello, everyone. Welcome to the International Philosophers Podcast.
1: In today's session, we organise an intercontinental deliberation about the famously disputed philosophical question, what is knowledge? For today's episode, we're in Dakar, Senegal, alongside some of the brightest students of the International School of Dakar. We'll be defining, debating, and developing this epistemological issue. Alongside those students, stand some of the brightest students of the International School of Geneva, along with their highly esteemed director, Dr. Conrad Hughes, to deliberate what is knowledge. Well, let's get started. Firstly, Stephanie and I would like to define what knowledge is, in order to settle the rules. Throughout history, hundreds of philosophers have attempted to define, debate, and describe what knowledge is. For example, in 400 BC, Plato wrote what is now known as the JTB theorem, which stands for justified true belief. In this work, Plato believed that these were three essential features to knowledge, stating that one can believe something false, but one cannot know something false. Furthermore, in 1963, the American philosopher Edmund Gettier published The Gettier Problem, which states that justified true beliefs do not amount to knowledge.
2: Finally, the most recognizable outcome to this debate in analytical philosophy is the statement that there are three concise and categorized types of knowledge. Propositional, personal, and procedural. Firstly, propositional knowledge is the more pragmatic one, which states that it requires that the satisfaction of its belief condition be suitably related to the satisfaction of its true condition. Furthermore, a knower must have an adequate indication that a belief qualifying as knowledge is actually true. Secondly, personal knowledge relates to first-hand experience, idiosyncratic preferences, and autobiographical facts. Thirdly, procedural knowledge refers to the knowledge exercised in the performance of some task. Therefore, a person doesn't need to be able to verbally articulate their procedural knowledge in order for it to count as knowledge, since procedural knowledge requires only knowing how to correctly perform an action or exercise a skill. With this in mind, we wish you to enjoy and listen carefully to the values and opinions on the question of 10 brilliant students from both the International School of Dakar and the International School of Geneva and their director.
3: Okay, so um, according to the Oxford Dictionary, to start with, Knowledge is facts, information and skills acquired for experience or education, uh, the theoretical or practical understanding of the subject. But in my opinion, uh, what at least I think, what I think uh, of knowledge is that knowledge is very subjective, because what one person might get from a certain experience could be completely different from what someone gets from another. You could be looking at the exact same movie, listening to the exact same teacher, or uh, even feeling going through the exact same experience at the same time and at the same moment, and taking different things out of that. I think that it is a question of perspective more than a question of facts and uh, inquiry.
0: So agreeing with Kefir next to me, um, it is a lot of the time subjective. However, in the end, there are some knowledgeable facts that we can determine objectively. But there have always been some thought experiments of how do we know if something happened if we didn't actually observe it. But would that necessarily still take away the actual fact that it did indeed occur.
4: Um, I agree with everything that was said, and I think that knowledge is subjective and objective, meaning that there are some things that are set in stone, and we all know that those things are facts because they have been observed and experimented upon. But there are other things that are acquired through experiences and perspective, like the first person said. And I think at the end of the day, knowledge is just Um, information that you acquire through your perspective of the world. A little
5: knowledge is a dangerous thing. Drink deeply, sip not at the Piraean spring. Shadow drafts there do intoxicate the brain, where drinking deeply makes us sober again.
2: I'm not sure how I can follow that. I am going to lean more towards what uh, well I don't know more towards but I'm going to lean towards what the um, students have already said that I think a lot of times we say things like I know this I know that I know this person and we make an assumption that that means we have knowledge so then knowledge would be those things that we say are um, and in terms of education, we often use the terms knowing and understanding but generally when we say that we know something we have to provide examples or evidence to prove that we know those things. But there's also the side that we have our own bias which is what I think Kafir and Daniel were talking about. Our own bias and experience that uh, we've had throughout our life and that's why I might say that knowledge is both individual and societal because you have a knowledge based on your experience and um, other things that have happened in your life, your feelings, and then you have a societal knowledge which would be something that people come together and have an agreement on, but I'm still not sure that means it's knowledge. Following up on that, I agree that there are two types of knowledge, the personal knowledge and the societal knowledge, because as everything that we have in our minds that we think that goes on in our head is our own personal knowledge, Is without knowledge, we're just Have a blank space in our head but then there's the societal knowledge that was acquired through proof evidence and just uh, lots and lots of experience that built up the society that we are in today
6: knowledge is a fundamental component of human uh, cognition and it plays an important role in many aspects of our lives which includes decision making problem solving and creativity and knowledge is often divided in different areas Uh, such as arts, mathematics, natural sciences and they all have different um, types of knowledge they're not understood like the same and I personally think that everybody will not have the same knowledge we will both have uh, different knowledges
7: So um, for me, knowledge is something that's meant to be shared with others and I believe that we all have different types of knowledge depending on where we come from where we lived, our culture, and who we spend time with. So it's something that's very subjective. And I also do believe that we have different types of knowledge. We have the practical knowledge, such as like riding a bike, or learning the guitar, or more a theoretical knowledge, such as finding, I don't know, literary devices in poem. That's not very practical.
5: What, what, what is knowledge? So That's an epistemological question. Epistemology is a, is a branch of philosophy, looking at the theory of knowledge. Gilbert Ryle, the famous English philosopher, said there are three types of knowledge. There's declarative knowledge, which is knowing that, you know that 2 plus 2 equals 4. That's objective and incontrovertible, scientific. There is procedural knowledge, which is more personal, which is skills-based. I know how to play the guitar, I know how to bungee jump, you know, I know how to run a podcast. And then there's dispositional knowledge, which is attitudinal to have known poverty, to know that you love your dog. Uh, And that's far more mysterious. So there's a spectrum of knowledge from the objective to the subjective. Plato, in his famous work, The Theatetus, he describes knowledge as justified true belief. So you believe you saw someone, means you're not sure. If you can justify that belief, maybe by asking other people, by doing some sort of forensic analysis, by double checking, that belief becomes stronger it becomes true in which case it's no longer belief it's knowledge Now it's a very western approach this sort of um, philosophy of mind analytical approach to knowledge i think knowledge is also cultural uh, i heard some of you talking about group knowledge versus individual knowledge and what is considered worth knowing and whether something actually be known or not, depends to a large extent on cultural frameworks. A sort of Western framework is very scientific, positivistic. What we know is what we can prove scientifically, and that, that'll that feature all the way through to you know the justice system. Um, whereas if you look at maybe more religious societies, um, you look at indigenous knowledge systems, you've got um, understandings of the world that are, are based more on uh, ritual and on all sorts of cultural practices going into a sort of second degree of consciousness to apprehend the world. Uh, for example, the Khoisan in South Africa, you know, they go into trance as do the uh, the people of the Amazon. Um, these are very different approaches to, to knowing the world. Ultimately, I think the question is, you know, what do you do with knowledge? Whether you know something or not is one thing, but what are you going to do with that knowledge? I think that's the interesting question.
1: I mean, I would personally say that um, it's all a matter of experiences and perspectives. So your perspectives come from sort of what you've lived, who you've been raised by, and what culture, from what religion, background, education. And your experiences is sort of what builds you as an individual. And that eventually sort of shapes the way you see everything. And I think through that, we're all able to, for example, you can set an object on a table and put 10 people around it, and you'll all see the same object, but it won't mean the same thing to you. So I think there's something to knowledge that's extremely personal, but that's also Cannot, can be very factual, and I think it's impressive because knowledge can both bring us together but also can push us apart.
5: Yeah, you know there's a string of social uh, psychology experiments done in the '70s to show just how strong group pressure is on people. Um, there's one called the Solomon Ash experiment where um, participants were shown different sticks, and one is obviously much longer than the other, the others okay it's quite clear. 19 out of 20 participants actually gave a false answer saying they're all the same size. And the 20th, um, 70% of the time, because the previous 19 had said they're the same size, would actually say, yes, it's not longer, it's the same size. Say something that's obviously not true. So there's an example of how knowing something is is sometimes um, a problem, because it goes against what the group thinks. And out of fear, you you might decide not to stand up for what you know. We get into all sorts of political problems, you know, whistleblowing, uh, calling things out, standing up for what you, you, you might know. There's also what we call the appeal to authority, another famous experiment done um, called the, uh, the Stanley Milgram experiment. This is the students, I think they were from Stanford. They basically got someone dressed up in a laboratory coat looking like a sort of medical authority to administer electric shocks to someone else. And they took bystanders and asked them to intervene and, and stop the experiment when they felt it was going too far. Uh, but the catch was that the person getting the shocks was sort of allowing it to go on. And basically what happened is people would, would allow the experiment to go on until the person was shocked to death. Now, and this was all simulated, none of it was true, right? It was a game. But it showed that there's that appeal to authority. When someone sees a, a, a medical authority or someone who represents knowledge, they stop thinking for themselves. And they don't, they don't take on the responsibility that we all have as critical thinkers to say, no, I know this is wrong or I know this is true and therefore I'm gonna intervene. Human beings tend to be quite uh, fearful with knowledge and things like peer pressure and um, conformity are stronger than independent thought. So I think that, that that's a problem.
1: In accordance to what you said, I think it's very important to understand that knowledge is power and that's for the better and for the worst because if you use it for the best, through critical thinking, through bringing people together, through doing justice, it's a good thing. But if you go sort of into the mass thinking, and against sort of what's um, just for humanity, it can be very dangerous. And we see that in certain governments today.
4: And from what you said, um, I find it really interesting how sometimes knowledge could be just something that we all agreed on. So it's not necessarily true, but because everyone says so it becomes the reality in which we
0: live. Going back to that. If let's say there were 15 people and only one of them said something different than them, would the knowledge be considered that of the group, as everyone's simultaneously agreed? Or if someone who says they've seen something or heard something or done something that disproved what everyone else had thought? And this has been going on in history since the beginning of time. People looked at the stars, they found things out, and then they were crushed under the mass thinking and eventually it came out, but that was only after multiple people had gained traction behind a certain individual. I was just going to say that and I think a
2: lot of these things that we're saying um, is something that educators need to think about because, well, society needs to think about, but educators as well. How do you go about trying to help um, young people, adults, really think for themselves, by themselves, and not necessarily fall into groups. And um, as was mentioned before, people are fearful with knowledge. They stop thinking when they think somebody's in an authoritative position. But even now, we see, as you guys were saying, you know, in certain powers of the world. But even now, people are giving authority to people who are not even in positions of authority. And they're following that, quote unquote, knowledge. And I think that that's concerning.
0: too quickly so we'll listen to what people say no matter even if they're respectable or not or they say we'll, we'll try to absorb as much of it as we can because as we said previously we believe that knowledge is power and we've kind of taken away from the aspect of earning knowledge through a hard path like through life as we go on and absorbing it slowly and truly trying to check what we've learned against other things but now we've, we try to get it far too
3: quickly yeah. uh, I think that people get excited by the thought of moving so, whenever someone says they can give them the answers to those unknown questions, even they immediately get attracted to them and then stop thinking about themselves and fall into their trap.
5: Hmm. Interesting. You're touching a little bit on the difference between knowledge and wisdom as well. So, you can have lots of declarative knowledge, you can know things, but wisdom is quite different. Wisdom is the lessons that you've learned, uh, and it tends to be, it's to do with sort of life, and human beings. Um, and on this, this phrase, knowledge is power, there are two ways of looking at it. There's if you gain knowledge, you become powerful. But there's also the idea that those that are in power decide what knowledge is. Yeah. You now, what do you learn at school, for example? Who decides that? Um, you're learning some things and not others. And the, the, the framework, the sort of matrix of knowledge that we use to communicate, has actually been established by uh, groups that are in power. Uh, and some of it's done intentionally. Okay, the teaching of history, uh, certain narratives, um, certain subjects over others. Why is there this emphasis on science and maths, on literacy? But typically in schools, particularly as you move towards the end of secondary school, there's very little in the way of arts, uh, music, um, physical education. When in fact, you know, you take physical education, it's very important for you. And increasingly in education, we're complaining that, that, that certain types of knowledge that we should be teaching that we're not, that young people need in, in the world, like financial literacy, cultural literacy, health literacy. Um, so I think it's, it's, it's important when you're in education to think about the, the validity and the usefulness of the knowledge that you're teaching.
0: So returning to a question that I read before about uh, how do
2: we actually then apply and use the knowledge that we have? Um, like that sort of basic, and That's what sort of causes that's what creates use of the knowledge and the way we use knowledge is as long as we have knowledge and we don't use it it's useless but the the way we choose to apply it then decides what impact that knowledge has on the world around us
0: I was talking to one of the educational professionals at our school and she briefly mentioned how now in a world where there's so many options left us to choose what to learn we start to have more and more outside influence on where what we want to become. We want to become influential, we want to become you know, well-educated and we want to go to high-end universities and things like that it becomes a constant struggle for, in a sense it is knowledge but also a stable future. And as Dr. Hughes has spoken before, we don't have as much of what was once considered traditionally passed down knowledge of artisanry, like if you were the son of a blacksmith to become a blacksmith. But now as we've got State-funded education and universities—we tend to focus on what the state has envisioned for us. All diligently working away, you know, solving mathematical problems, solving civil stru- like civil problems, building infrastructure, things like that. So we tend to cast aside not necessarily the entirety of our cultural traditions, but it's getting more and more. I
1: feel like it's also getting more and more competitive along with that, and. I feel like a lot of people are forgetting why they're learning and they're doing it more for their end goal of what they can get out of it, more than what everybody can get out of it, and the importance of knowing to be able to live well.
3: Um, today, I think people mostly want to know what the, their teachers want them to know because they want to succeed. And what seems to, as to be success to their teachers might be different than what might seem to be success in the past, where people wanted to know to advance as a society rather than to advance to a great school and university.
7: Mm-hmm. No, I totally agree. I think lots of jobs and even languages are lost today because we don't want to really learn them anymore because it's not what society has in use for us. Mm-hmm. For example, lots of like uh, like jobs in like the agriculture sector uh, or the housing and construction sector are like lost today because we don't really keep on working in structure. Through how people like go into these paths, and I think it's a shame. It's the same with languages. We're speaking a lot of English, but like lots of like languages and cultures are kind of being left behind because society doesn't really include it in, in
0: education or everyday life. I think we can also see how, as you're saying, um, with so much of the education being funded towards more thinking problems, and you know, things that require lots of education. I've, I witnessed an example of this back in Hungary. Is that the, lots of the physical workers who work in construction, in the end, lots of the times they're not what we would consider highly educated. It's con- lots of these professions, which once did take lots of skill, you have to learn how to build things, those masonry, you had, you had the project managers, things like that, and yet the states have less funding for these kind of things. So, as we can see, lots of them in Hungary started leaving to Germany where they were getting paid better. And after a while, you had you didn't have enough people who actually knew the craft of building buildings anymore so instead it was the jobs were getting done way slower and it was getting dangerous to build.
4: It's clear that globalization is affecting the knowledge around the world and that some kind of knowledge are disappearing and I could give an example like you said the languages example the language from my village I recently started learning it but before I could see how my knowledge was limited. Well, not really limited, but I can see how this new language has opened more perspective and um, an experience for me to understand, to try to understand the world a little bit better.
1: I think it's very interesting to see how knowledge evolves sort of as a trend, along with what society expects from us. And that comes a lot from social media, too, I think, where it's like, even in just a matter of 10 years, the basics of what you're expected to know can change so fast. It's like, even still 50 years ago, it was essential to learn Latin at school. And now today, everybody considers it to be, well, I mean, in Western schools, everybody considers it to be sort of a dead language. If you take Latin, why would you do that? It's stupid. Um, Yeah, I think that's interesting.
3: I I also think that today, people like to know about stuff that is convenient for them to learn, and nowadays with the internet and everything people just think that with two clicks they can learn more than 15 years of education so they just learn what is accessible for them and not what requires more thought
6: I think that technology plays a very important role in knowledge because it can both be a positive and a neg- negative thing it can be positive because you can not learn stuff uh, easily but you can find it but the other issue is that you're not actually like making an effort to properly understand and like get the a grasp of what you're actually learning.
0: and just the fact that nowadays we're learning just for the sake of learning and not because we want to become functional members of society. It's just imposed on us so we don't have a choice of really what we learn. It's all fixed
4: by as stated before a higher controlling group of people.
5: I mean the the whole shape of, of knowledge has changed dramatically over the over the last hundred you know, a few hundred years. If you think about it, literacy rates were incredibly low throughout ancient history. It was a very small group of priests, uh, monarchy that would be educated. Formal education only starts in the 1870s. Okay, that's compulsory education for everybody. So it's really in the span of under 200 years that you see this idea of everybody sort of knowing quite a lot and and general literacy rates going up. Um, before that, you would learn what whatever profession was deemed to be the one that, that, that you would uh, go into, which really came from your family. Um, so it's it, it's comparatively recent in the human story uh, for us to be thinking about knowledge as something that we all access. And of course, that's been greatly accelerated with technology. You can now access just about anything you want at any point in time. That's really changing the way that we look at knowledge, and what the expectations are. Um, ultimately, I think knowledge is also it 's a beautiful thing, because the more you know I mean just listening to you you know talking about studying Latin or uh, about your home language um, about finding out different things through technology, we also as human beings we we sort of want to know things, and I think the more you know, the ultimately the happier you become um, because you have a richer understanding of the world and it brings culture to you you know if you 're walking around in the state of ignorance very, very limited knowledge set. And it doesn't have to be academic knowledge. It could be you know, any other type of knowledge. You have a stunted, uh, unfulfilled um, experience of, of reality, whereas you can understand things much more deeply, you know, looking at plants, at, at the trees, at the waves on the ocean, at the stars, uh, at a history book, and actually understanding. Uh, it makes the experience much more meaningful. So we shouldn't lose sight of that. You know, it might not get you a job, might not get you money, it might not be useful in the sort of pragmatic sense. But there is—it's um, enriching to know more.
4: I think that the beautiful thing about knowledge is knowing that you never know everything. So, um, in a sense, you will always, always have this thirst for more knowledge, and you can always deepen that knowledge while being sure that. There's always something more to learn.